You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. We have good news today. I know it's tough to allow yourself even to believe it at this point. We've been through so much bad news recently. The country's in the grip of this pandemic. We have more cases, more deaths in a day, in a month than we've ever had before. Uh, and we also have an election result that continues to be outrageous and frustrating and rage inducing and a, a result so far, at least. And I know the Electoral College is meeting today. So there's there's a lot that we have to just grit our teeth for. But there is this vaccine that is out there and it is on the move. And we should all be very, very pleased about this, excited about this. It will be the beginning of the end of at least this wave of tyranny. I I don't want to overstate this. There are a lot of people who see what has happened to this country, who see how easily cowed the U.S. population is, and they think that this can be replicated, that this can be copied for other issues, other policy areas and concerns. They're not going to give up. In fact, they view this as the playbook going forward on a whole host of issues. But let's just at least look at the vaccine right now. I, I still remember in February being on the Bill Maher show on HBO and being sneered at, hissed at, laughed at, because they said Trump is saying that the vaccine is going to be delivered in record speed. And I said, well, they are planning to deliver it in, in record speed. That is the plan. Oh, you're so ridiculous. Trump will never do it. Well, it wasn't just then and there. We've seen countless other examples of people, especially when you get back into the April, May and June time period where they were laughing at Trump for suggesting that Operation Warp Speed. They thought the name was ridiculous. He'd never be able to pull this off. He's not good enough. He's not smart enough. And gosh darn it, people don't like him. That's what they were saying. I mean, that was the whole the whole laugh line. They had fact checkers, even they had fact checkers who jumped in on this one to NBC News fact check from May 15th. Coronavirus vaccine could come this year, Trump says. Experts say he needs a, quote, miracle to be right. Well, it looks like Trump delivered a miracle because vaccines are going into people's arms in this country today. Less than one year research to vile research to vaccination. They're actually doing it. They're getting it done. And there's a lot of credit the administration should get for this, but there's not really a focus on it, of course. They don't really care to have anybody really come forward from the administration and say, hey, uh, all of our critics were wrong. That, that's not going The media is not going to spend any time on that. By their own admission, this is a miracle. That's what they told us. By their own admission, this is a miracle. And so then we have to ask, what what does it mean going forward? What is the reality of this? Now, there's a a tremendously complicated system here to get this vaccine out. I read I read about it over the weekend, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, this was written in The Wall Street Journal. The journey starts in a factory just outside St. Louis where Pfizer scientists make the raw materials that are the backbone of the vaccine. 
Those materials move on to Andover, Massachusetts, where researchers turn them into mRNA, molecular couriers that deliver genetic instructions to the body. The mRNA is dispatched to Michigan, where machines the size of single-car garages envelop them with lipid nanoparticles, microscopic vessels used to deliver genetic material into the body. Making doses takes about a week, and batches sit for about two weeks before being shipped. The vaccine is transported in glass vials strong enough to withstand transit and the subarctic temperatures in which the liquid must be stored. Trays carrying 195 vials are packed with dry ice in suitcases uh, or suitcase-like boxes weighing 80 pounds. Those vaccines eventually are diluted with enough saline solution to make 975 doses. So this is a complicated process, and this is the most ambitious vaccination effort the world has ever seen. Uh, This is remarkable. It is a tremendous scientific achievement. And uh, I I think that it's a shame that we have such a focus on other things right now. And there's so much partisanship that there isn't any willingness in the media to credit an administration, even if they believe it is now the outgoing administration, even though the Electoral College is meeting today and, and, and has certified will certify Joe Biden in these states as the winner. Uh, The fact is that the Trump team did pull off something of a miracle and it had nothing but doubters and challengers and haters all along the way. That's what was really going on here in the media. I'm talking about now. I mean, all the fact checks, all the they'll never get this done. They're lying about this. So. This is a a victory that we should all celebrate. Um, But I know it's hard to be in any kind of a celebratory mood because of what's going on in the country. And this is going to take this is going to take time. In a sense, this is like the invasion at uh, at Normandy. This is the D-Day landing of our fight against this vaccine. Remember, after D-Day, there was still a lot of fighting left to do. And there's still a lot of people that lost their lives. That's where we are right now. We've got our feet on the shore at Omaha Beach, we got our feet ready to go here. But this is going to take 90 days before we really feel a massive effect from this. Maybe 60 days, but something along something along those lines. And I think everybody should be prepared for a very challenging December and January. We all know that. But along with this vaccination process, which I, I just... I know it's about so much here and and it's not really it shouldn't be a political issue, but the Trump team deserves an enormous uh, wave of thanks. You know, the the people that hate science so much. Right. That's what they always say. Trump and his advisors, they don't believe the science. Well, somehow they have helped bring into being the scientific miracle through Operation Warp Speed of getting this vaccine out to people. But while we're distributing this and trying to get our lives back trying to get our society back we should understand that there are those who believe that these lockdowns and these restrictions on us should continue long after the vaccine reaches a critical mass of distribution that this is our new normal going forward that it's completely necessary not even acceptable it is necessary to have all of these lockdowns 
despite all the data you could point to to show that lockdowns are certainly insufficient on their own. And many would even challenge whether they are beneficial when you look at the costs versus the actual benefits of it. Bill Gates, who I I don't know why we have to listen to this guy outside of how to build a microprocessor. I I really don't. But we do just because he's really, really rich people and really famous people are treated like they know things in this country. Uh, They're treated like they're experts in whatever they feel like talking about, which is a shame because they're not. But Bill Gates, who is worth, I don't know, over $100 billion, some absolutely astronomical and and crazy number, uh, he wants everyone to know that their bars, their restaurants should be closed down. Play two. Well, certainly mask wearing uh, has essentially no downside. They're not expensive. Bars and restaurants in most of the country will be closed as we go into this wave. And I think, sadly, that's appropriate. Depending on how severe it is, the decision about schools is much more complicated because they're, you know, the benefits are pretty high. The amount of transmission is not the same as in restaurants and bars. So, uh, you know, trade-offs will have to be made. But this, the next four to six months uh, really call on us uh, to, to do our best because we can see that this will end and you don't want, you know, somebody you love to be the last to die of coronavirus. Notice that he won't tell you what the data really says about schools. Schools are complicated. That, that's the only concession that Bill Gates will make your school closures. Are com- They're not complicated. School closures are dumb. They're not supported by the science. It's absolutely not worth it to close down schools. And everybody who was advocating for that at any point during this pandemic was wrong. They were wrong. There, there's not a debate on this. They were wrong. We have the data. We've run the experiment. We have the numbers. Why won't he say that? Why is this guy so obsessed with controlling so many people? And also his comment about masks, I completely reject. Masks are limiting your ability to breathe freely. Whether you want them or not, I'll put that aside for a second. Let's not pretend that it's no big deal. It's very annoying. It's a restriction of your most your most basic freedom, the right to breathe free, fresh air. More basic than anything even written in the Constitution. Are you allowed to breathe? Kind of. You breathe the way we say. You breathe uncomfortably through what we tell you you have to breathe through. This is moronic. Oh, there's no cost associated with this whatsoever. I mean, this is a totalitarianism that goes beyond even the kind of stuff you see in North Korea. You're you're not allowed to breathe the way you want to breathe. Why is that? Oh, because it's so effective at preventing. That's why we have all these mask mandates all across the country and cities and states. And what exactly is it done to flatten the curve? I ask you that. What has it done to flatten the curve? Nothing. They won't admit that. They won't say that. They just pretend that we can. This is all the emperor's new clothes, friends, except it's the emperor's new mask. You're not allowed to look at what's going on and say, well, uh, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. You know how well it works, whatever. We can get into all that. Does a man does a government mandate mean it mean anything? No, it does not. It does not help. Look at all the charts. Look at all the graphs. I know I'm like a, 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 a treated like a lunatic on this by the mainstream, but I, they're wrong. I was right about schools. They were wrong about schools. Do you think they admit that? Do you think it makes any of them think, "Mm, well, maybe maybe we've uh, exaggerated the intelligence of St. Fauci here and and maybe we should rethink some of these policies. They will not do that. 
And I'm here to tell you that while the vaccine is good news and it is getting distributed, and that certainly is cause for celebration, or at least it's encouraging, right? I mean, maybe we're not in a celebratory mood, but it is encouraging. The Bill Gateses, the globalists, the lockdowners, the authoritarians, the left, they want this to continue for, I've been saying until next fall, but pretty much for another year. They want another year of you complying, doing whatever they say. They want another year of this. Play one. When do you think life will fully return to what we thought of as normal back in January? No masks, no social distancing, uh, no other protective measures necessary. Certainly by the summer, we'll be way closer to normal than we are now. But even through early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease and we get high vaccination rates in our country, the risk of reintroduction will be there. And of course, the global economy will be uh, slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. So we'll have, starting in the summer, about nine months where a few things like big public gatherings uh, will still be restricted. But you know, we can see now that somewhere between 12 to 18 months, and we have a chance, if we manage it well, uh, to get back to normal. Why do we have to manage it well to get back to normal? I just want to know what he thinks, what the logic is there. We're going to get everyone vaccinated and then they're going to be at herd immunity. That's what's going to happen or manage it. Oh, so if we don't manage it well, we never get back to normal. You'll notice they hold this out there. There is this thought they have. Maybe we keep this in the back pocket. Maybe we use this whenever we want to get people to bend the knee. Oh, COVID could come back. Oh, it's in forward countries. Sorry. Lockdowns here. Your business shut down here. Do what we say. There is a mass psychological conditioning here that you are a serf, that you do what the state tells you to do. And it will continue until you tell them, no, I will not comply. And we have not reached enough of that mentality in this country yet. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. I used to think we were a free people that valued our liberty. Only some of us are. A lot of us just want to be safe and warm and fed and nothing else matters to them. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. If I wasn't president, according to almost everybody, even the enemy, if I wasn't president, you wouldn't have a vaccine for five years. Okay, I push the FDA and companies and everybody else involved like nobody's ever been pushed before. And now you have it rolling out. And frankly, they could have done it last week. They could have even done it a week sooner. and They heard from me. But this has been a great, really medical miracle. They call it a medical miracle. And uh, it's going to have a tremendous impact. Ninety five percent effective. We have Moderna coming out next week. Very soon. We have Johnson and Johnson, a one shot vaccine coming out. All great companies. Ninety five percent effective. A medical miracle. Are you seeing a lot of, of news coverage of of all that encouraging stuff right now? No, you're not, are you? It's almost like they don't want to talk about it. They'll talk about the vaccine, but they won't talk about the administration's role in helping the uh, vaccine get out there. So you have this ICU nurse in New York who was among the very first to get the Pfizer shot. Right. That's what everyone that that's that's what they're talking about. I don't see anything about Operation Warp Speed. I don't see anything about 
the Trump administration's unprecedented program to get this thing out there. And let me also say that the politics around who gets the vaccine and when are going to start to get very nasty here. Right now, there's a, a novelty to all this. Right now, there's a sense of, oh, my gosh, look, the vaccine. Give it three or four weeks. And some people are going to be walking around feeling just fine. Some people are going to be walking around with, with no problem uh, because they know they're almost certain to be protected from a possible exposure to COVID-19. And a lot of other people will be walking around saying uh, when more likely actually stuck at home by themselves saying, when do I get this thing? And you can already hear there are a lot of people that are clamoring to put this out there along along social justice lines. They say that some groups are disparately affected by this, so they want them to get it first by age. That certainly makes sense based on all of the data. But there are plenty of people who you'd look at, you'd say, well, it's more about individual living condition. Are you in a crowded area, an urban area? It should not be about superficial characteristics that have nothing to do with your actual risk of getting COVID and having a severe case of it. But the politics around that are going to get very, very tricky here in the in the weeks ahead. Because there are people who are going to get COVID in the next in the next 60 days who don't make it, who would have made it if they have gotten a vaccine. And as that dawns on more and more people, you can imagine it's going to become even more intense. And let's just hope the supply chains and everything hold up and that there's no big problems with the distribution of this vaccine. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. I just want to deal in fact, because there is so much speculation out there and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note again, you, you and I have said this in the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No No evidence evidence Biden Biden did did anything anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, that. I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Right. They're delusional and they're a bunch of liars. But what a what a symphony of frauds wasn't that amazing here's a story today on foxnews.com new emails appear to show hunter biden failed to report four hundred thousand dollars in income from a shady ukrainian firm there's no evidence he did anything wrong no evidence he did anything wrong hunter biden is the most pure and decent man imaginable yeah, the guy that got the stripper pregnant, pretend that he wasn't the dad afterwards and got kicked out of the Navy for doing coke or meth or whatever it was. Great guy. Great guy. Oh, yeah. Hunter Biden. He's you, you can you can take Hunter's word to the bank. Really trust, really trustworthy fellow. Uh, the media is disgusting. The media is a disgrace. You know it. I know it. 
And I think it's important that we all understand that they're not going to change. In fact, they're just going to become more aggressive under a Biden presidency. Uh, They're going to stifle dissent. They're not going to try to win the argument anymore. They're going to prevent you from being able to make an argument. They're going to try to shut down people like me who will beat them in the argument. They won't allow it. That's going to be the game. It's not it's not. Oh, may the best may the best pundit or news channel or show or whatever win. It's going to be. No, no, we're on air. You're not. Because the people that control the plugs and the switches and, you know, the Internet and the cable channels, they're not letting you on. That's the game they plan on playing. Full on censorship. They talked about state media against Trump. They're a bunch of morons. There's no state media when 95 when 95 percent of the media opposes the sitting president. But notice that they, in a sense, and I, I know this is not comforting to hear, but they were successful in their lies. They were successful in what they were trying to achieve here, preventing us from figuring out what really happened. At least in time for the election. That's what mattered. It was all about when this would break. It was all about who and who would find out about this. At what point would they find out about this? Right. And Hunter Biden was able to count on the media to give him the kind of Uh, The kind of unbelievable, unbelievable protection from the mainstream media that you could only expect if you're a Democrat that's really important to their movement. I mean, if you didn't report four hundred thousand dollars in income, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that even the IRS under a Democrat administration would normally pay attention to. But does anyone really believe? Does anyone really think that Hunter Biden would face any will face any consequences under a Biden administration for this whatsoever? No, of course not. The people who have been lecturing you for four years about norms and decency and democracy, about the rule of law, uh, are the same people who lied about Russia collusion from the beginning of the Trump presidency, used it as a weapon against Trump and all of his advisors and family members and everyone around him, and now are going to completely lock down with nothing but partisan intent, lock down anything the DOJ is looking at about Hunter Biden or anything else for that matter that harms Democrat interests. That's their plan. That's what they're going to do. I mean, the suppression of the Hunter Biden uh, media story is something that we'll, we should never forget. In the, in the same way that the attacks on Brett Kavanaugh, the attacks on Brett Kavanaugh were a moment of clarity about who the Democrats really are, that they would lie about somebody. There was such a lack of decency and honor and integrity at the very top of the Democrat Party that they would say the things they said and present the things they did against Brett Kavanaugh, a good man who had done nothing wrong, who was who not only was he not a bad guy, he was a good guy. And they tried to ruin him. They tried to ruin him. No remorse about it. Kamala was one of them. Don't ever forget that. I mean, she's ruthless, utterly ruthless, a disgrace. She's a mediocrity who's playing the system. Using identity politics, using the Democrat power structure. I don't mean the Democrat as in our democracy or whatever. I mean, the Democrat Party. Kamala is very ruthless indeed. Uh, But what we saw with Kavanaugh now, you should view what's going on here. With the media as a Kavanaugh like moment, they will in the weeks before a presidential election 
straight up lie to your faces without without a moment's hesitation. They will lie right to your face about an, an issue of major national news concern. And afterwards, when they're exposed as frauds and liars for that, they think of themselves as heroes because their purpose is not to inform you. Their purpose is to influence you for the benefit of a political party, the Democrat Party. That is what they are doing. Now, it's not enough to just point this out. we, We have to be very clear that there are there are fights ahead. And I, I have, you know, substantial concerns about where all of this stuff is going. All right. Here is uh, here is Stacey Abrams. This Georgia election is weeks away. And remember, the last two weeks of December for a lot of people, including journos, uh, the last two weeks of December, there's not going to be a whole lot of focus on anything in the news cycle. No one's really going to pay much attention. Uh, And then all of a sudden you're going to come back. A lot of people come back from vacation. There's going to be a Georgia Senate runoff. For two seats, right? Georgia's having this runoff, two seats at play. And you got Warnock, Leffler, Purdue, Ossoff. Which names are going to come out victorious of this thing? Stacey Abrams, the make-believe governor of Georgia, is out there rallying her side, and she's speaking with a lot of confidence about this. Play 16. Democrats are prepared to win this election because this is the first runoff where we have the level of investment and engagement that it takes to win a runoff. We know from the numbers that we're in a good place. 1.2 million absentee ballots have been requested thus far. And just to put that into context, 1.3 million were requested for all of the general election. And of that 1.2 million, 85,000 of those applications are from voters who did not vote in the general election, and they are disproportionately between the ages of 18 and 29 and disproportionately people of color. What that signals is that there's an enthusiasm for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, and it signals that we understand that we may need to make a plan to vote and deliver this election. Look, millions of you are understandably furious about where we are right now in the presidential election. I understand that it all feels wrong. The Electoral College is meeting today to certify a result that you think in your soul, you know, is just unfair. It's wrong. The Democrats changed the election rules in bad faith. There are hundreds of sworn affidavits alleging fraud. And there's this seething rage that we should all have that the media openly and aggressively stifled information about Hunter Biden. So Joe could win. Yes, the media rigged the game but the game is not over and i don't just mean in the presidential election we've got to win in georgia i've actually got a piece up on bucksexton.com on this that you should all check out i wrote an editorial on it uh, because i'm trying to make the case to you that it is not true that we are losing focus on the presidential fight and exposing fraud if we also give all due attention to winning these georgia Senate seats. It has to happen because what goes on if we lose this, if we lose and they have a Democrat majority in the Senate, well, first, they'll eliminate the filibuster. Then they'll move for expanded amnesty for illegal aliens. You know, they already have a surge at the border going on right now. Why do you think that is? People who are focused on this issue, who want to get into the country and stay here illegally, they know you're probably never going to have 
a better time. There's never going to be a better option for you to come into the country illegally than right before a Biden administration that's going to be pushing for amnesty. Because even if you're not covered by that amnesty, do you think there'll be any real will to do deportations? No. If you can get here, you'll be able to stay here. So they move for eventually it'll be legalization for everyone in the U.S. illegally. They'll add to that statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. Some Supreme Court packing could also happen, although it feels like they don't need it these days. Look at the Texas decision. Texas brought suit. Many states joined with Texas. Shot down by the Supreme Court. Trump is out there uh, tweeting about how no judge has the courage, right? That's what he's saying. No judge has the courage. What did I tell you all along? And I don't like saying things that I know are going to be frustrating to hear, but I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you what I know is coming. Judges all along, I'd said, who's going to be the judge who wants to be attacked by the Democrats and the left for even giving a an opening for this to be overturned because of all the fraud? I just don't think they have the courage. That's not me saying I don't care that they don't have the courage. That's me saying this is the reality that we face. And that's what Trump is saying about these judges, including supposedly conservative justices. They're saying, nah, we, we can't we can't touch this thing. Sorry, can't get involved. So we absolutely, absolutely need to focus in on this Georgia election and do everything that we possibly can to make sure that the Senate is in Republican control going into a Biden administration. Uh, because right now it would it would take something of a, a legal miracle to prevent the Biden administration from happening. We all we all need to know that that's that's where this is heading. Not saying it's over, but I'm saying it's not looking good. We're down two touchdowns and there's, you know, a minute 30 left. That's where that's where the situation is. And I'm going to say this to you. Anyone who tells you otherwise right now is not being straight with you. They're not being honest with you. And there's a lot of telling people what they want to hear right now. And I don't want to be a part of that and have our eye taken off the ball in Georgia because some people are squabbling for whatever remnants of the Trump movement they can sort of gather up for themselves in their eyes. I I think that's the play. There are people now who are doubling and tripling down on how, oh, don't worry, you know, the plan and we're going to win. And there was a there was a chance. There was a time we were having that fight. And yes, we see it through to the end. But anyone who's telling you that it's looking good right now is lying to you. They're lying to you. All right. And putting too many people on air who are going to tell you that on their air, on their show, there's also a dishonesty in that. Right. Yeah, I I could bring endless amounts of people. Look, I think Sean Parnell's legal challenge in Pennsylvania is legitimate. I think he's right. And I think he's got a shot. That's why I put Sean on the air. But if you're asking me how I think this is going to go for the election overall, meaning whether or not this thing is is pretty much over and done with, we're we're close and people can get mad at me. That's fine. I, I don't know why they're mad at me. I was saying fight all along. I was saying this is where we need to be. Dig in, do everything we can. But at some point, you know, sometimes you fight and you do you give it everything you got and you still don't end up getting the result. That would be justice. That's life. That's where we are. So I I just rather you hear that at this point from me than have me pretend like everything's fine, which I would not do. And then in January, when Biden's a week out from being sworn in, say, yeah, you know, I guess 
I guess maybe it is going to happen, you know. We should prepare now for that possibility. doesn't mean that we give up, but it means we are being smart and strategic. And part of that means winning in Georgia. All right. The uh, the response to losing Paris to the Germans, if you're the allies, is not to say, let's hand them London. And that's what giving them Georgia would be right now. A disaster. So we continue the fight and we understand where we are in this process. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Y'all got a $1,200 check. Wall Street got $4 trillion in access to liquid funds. And, um, and that, to me, just structurally, will I, I'm, I'm concerned. What keeps me up at night is that... It was short-term relief that was really important and really necessary, but that the help for working people and everyday people, as we know, dries up super fast. But what we gave away, what we gave away to Wall Street was so large and so structural that, frankly, like that's why Republicans, I think, have not been, have been, you know, not as, um, and why Mitch McConnell has not been in a rush. Mitch McConnell has been in a rush. This is complete rewriting of history from AOC, who is an idiot, but a dangerous and powerful little propagandist for the ignorant left. No, Mitch is the one who has been pushing for COVID relief. Pelosi blocked it. They can try to rewrite the history as much as they want. It won't change what actually happened here. Pelosi blocked it, said, no, we want more. He brings up Wall Street. This is something we, we have got to change. We have got to un, we've got to get the public to understand this. Wall Street is dominated by Democrats, by lib Democrats. The Wall Street banks, Goldman Sachs is practically a DNC pack in terms of the way that it spends money in elections. It's true of all these big investment banks, because this is the game. The Amazons, the Goldman Sachs, the mega corporations, the globalists, the internationalists, they're rich and getting richer and government policy from big government action continues to benefit them. They like the anti-competitive nature of all the endless regulation and the ability of government to come in and shut down their competitors. Look what's going on during COVID. Small business is just getting wiped out. But Wall Street is is this is a myth. This is a fable. That Wall Street is Republican. Wall Street is absolutely not. I live in New York City. I come from a family with a a dad who worked on Wall Street for decades. I got brothers. I got friends that that are Wall Street people working in Wall Street. Wall Street is Democrats. Okay, not all, but it is a huge majority of the giving went to Joe Biden. So this is I, I just hate this because. Somehow the perception lingers and AOC will sit there when she's when she's trashing Wall Street. This is a way to avoid criticism of Democrat policy. And people. Yeah, Wall Street's so bad. All those rich fat cats. Those are Democrats. Those are people on Wall Street who are writing checks to Dianne Feinstein and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and and, you know, the AOC types even although a little less. So they like more the establishment Democrats, to be fair. But they're the ones writing checks to Democrats. 
I just, I, this drives me nuts because there's, this is all media perception. It's all media propaganda. Wall Street's a bunch of rich, white, male Republicans. That's what Wall Street is. Wall Street, you go to any of these big banks now, they've got all the diversity day stuff going on. They're all about transgender rights. They've got super progressive HR policies and they're giving, they're funneling money, funneling money to Democrats. Just check. This is this is public record stuff. You don't even have to take my word. Go check online. You'll see. Who does Goldman Sachs give money to? Democrats. People like Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton. Who do these these enormous banks? And for, in some ways, it's ideological because you have these guilty conscience, rich libs who work on Wall Street and they think, oh, you know, I'm I'm getting paid all this money. What am I even really doing? That's a productive additive uh, function for society or am I just in the extraction business extract from the system position and extract you know so so a way that they like to handle with that uh, a way they like to handle that is to give money to very progressive causes and, and very progressive candidates it's, it's like buying a, a form of social insurance that's really what they're doing buying a form of social insurance you know, now they can say oh well I, I gave to Joe Biden so Hopefully no one is going to, you know, mask up and uh, don't worry about the fact that I'm on my 10 million dollar house in the Hamptons because I gave money to Joe Biden. This is what they do. This is this is how they get away with this stuff. But they support the right candidate. They're just part of the system. They're just part of using and leveraging where they are in a system and pretending they care so much about the poor. These these Wall Street Democrats, these fat cat hedge fund billionaires, they don't give a crap about the poor. I mean, yeah, they'll write a check a few times a year so they can go to a fancy gala or something. There's a lot of that that goes on in New York City, too. Not not really so much anymore, but there was before COVID. Um, but it's it's remarkable. This this is a lie that will not die. Wall Street is dominated by Democrats. It is the ideology now of Wall Street. You know, it's all these big mega corporations are what is what's you know pushing the stock market to all time highs. There's a tremendous amount of government policy and monetary policy that goes into how well all this stuff works or doesn't work. And they want to be at the levers of power. So any and just this really it really bothers me because it's so easy. I mean, AOC will do this. We'll talk about this. And, and so many other Democrats will, too. They act like. The Democrats are the party of working. people. No, the Democrats are the party of people on welfare. That is true. Democrats always want to increase welfare benefits. But people who work for a living are increasingly represented by the Trump era Republican Party. And everyone's seeing it. And the, the numbers are bearing this out. You know, it's people that either benefited from the system and got a, you know, a, a fancy four year degree somewhere and have gotten themselves into a into a place in our economy where they can work from home and they're all comfortable and fine. Yeah, they're Democrats and they they want to you know push more of a pittance. You know, they want to give a little bit more charity to people who aren't working, to people who need assistance. But stunning what we see happening here it really is the lie about this will not stop. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. 
Well, first of all, Chris, the plan is alive and well, and there's no way, no way that we're going to leave uh, Washington without taking care of the emergency needs of our people. And that's all over our country and my state of West Virginia, too. They're, they're all hurting everywhere. So they're telling us that they're going to get COVID relief out there. I don't know if that's going to happen, which is uh, just a total failure on the part of our elected officials. Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats, the one who've been blocking it for months. But I mean, come on now. You know, we've, we've got a, a inauguration day coming up here. You've got a new administration likely to be in charge very soon. Can we please, please do what is necessary to help the American people right now during this pandemic? Can we just get something here out to people who have had their businesses shut down, who have been told that they have no choice in the matter, and now they can't pay their bills, and now they're perhaps either living on credit or they've, they've run out of whatever the savings they've had. They've had to lay off employees, and this is because of government mandates. It's not because of the market. It's not because of a downturn. Or This is the government saying, and I think, unnecessarily saying your restaurant, your bar cannot be open anymore. Um, You know, isn't it remarkable? We have all these restrictions that are put in place at different times. But then when cases go up, it's like we are. The the, the game all of a sudden is, okay. cases have gone up and. All the stuff that we were doing was apparently not enough. Well, then how well could it possibly have been working? I never get an answer from anybody on this one. But if we're if we're masking and social distancing and limiting the number of people in these establishments, we're doing all those things. Then case number in general, not even from that place or from that industry goes up. They say, sorry, we got to lock it down anyway. So is that an admission that all those other things don't really work? What does work mean? If it's a five percent reduction in transmission for all that crap, is it still worth it? Or is it more like a 50% reduction? They have no idea. We're making decisions all the time that they say are based on data. I mean, I can tell you this. If I had the opportunity to question Dr. Fauci, if I I got to sit in a senator's chair for a second or sit as a member of Congress, and they just give me as their proxy, let me question Dr. Fauci, the whole thing would fall apart. You realize what a a preposterous and absurd situation we're all in now with these people who keep saying that it's the data And then you ask them, you find out there's no data behind this. They have no idea. They're just making it up as they go along. A lot of it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of cases and a lot of deaths right now. There's that data. But in terms of the transmission risk, in terms of the reduction you get from these different choices, absolutely not. I have no, no idea. Now. Now we have to talk about a little bit more of this, uh, the legal challenges to the election. Because I don't, I don't want to avoid this. First of all, I, I don't understand how anyone could see this as anything other than the system operating all within the guidelines, the rules, the constitutional, uh, constitutional limitations and demands here. Everything is proceeding exactly on schedule. There's nothing the Trump team or anyone in, in favor of Trump has done that is. Uh, A break in the rules. There's no abuse in power here. They're saying that they have legal theories that go into a very complicated, very 
uh, to go to a very complicated, very difficult year here in what's going on with the law. And they're bringing these challenges. And for some reason, Republicans like like Chris Christie seem to be out there getting ahead of all this as if we need to hear from them right now, as if they have to be uh, smug and dismissive about all of this. I mean, here he is playing nine. This is why I think the Republican Party will move on and move on briskly after the inauguration, because there's a lot of good things to move on from. You know, picked up 14 seats in the House, appears, I think, to only lose one seat in the Senate, ultimately, and keep control, flip two state legislatures, flip the only governorship that was flipped on on election night. Uh, Except for the very top of the ticket, the Republican Party had a great night on election night. Now, I'll say to you, I was disappointed that the president lost, and I understand the disappointment in the party among some people people for losing that election. But we need to face the facts. Elections have consequences. And in the same way, Democrats were horribly disappointed by Donald Trump's victory four years ago over Hillary Clinton um, in, in, a, in what was actually a closer election than this one from a popular vote perspective and the same margin uh, from an electoral college perspective. Republicans now need to say, thank you, Mr. President, for your service. Thank you for the good things you did while you were in office that we agree with. And we now need to move on. What does that mean? Why, why do we have to say those things? Chris Christie doesn't uh, Chris Christie doesn't have some insight into the election process or or these legal challenges that the rest of us don't. They're, so far, they haven't worked. I mean, we can all observe the reality. We can all see what's happening so far. Giuliani's team has not been able to get any victories. That's that is true. That is I, I'm these are facts. And we're not going to become CNN here on the right. We're not going to live in a delusion and lie to people for ratings or for anything else. But there's also some time left here. There are these legal challenges that are continuing. Let's see what happens. If they're all so silly, if they're all so irrelevant or, or baseless, fine. People bring lawsuits and they get shot down all the time. The courts, in a sense, are, are you know, a, a purification system for legal ideas. Now, they don't always get it right either, which we have to also keep in mind. But so you bring it forward. You say this is our legal theory. And if it is incorrect or if it doesn't work, then you you go beyond that. You move beyond it. That's where we are. We will accept the results of this election if, in fact, we get through every everything that we've got. And the result is the result. There's no there is no alternative. The people that are people that are out there are saying that we're going to come up with some, you know, Texas is going to become its own state or something else. They're just appealing to emotion. And I think at some level it becomes disrespectful of conservatives, uh, conservative audiences and the people that are on our side politically to tell them what you know is because there's a lot of that going on right now. People are saying what they know isn't true, but they know that the audience wants to hear. And they hope that 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 feeling will just translate later on when the when the people that are saying things right now that maybe aren't not not going to the Chris Christie length of making fun of the lawsuits and that, that that's absurd. But I, I really believe that I have an obligation to tell you that, you know, our challenge so far has not gone well. Our legal challenges have not gone well for this election. Do I think do I know that there were irregularities in cheating this election? Absolutely. Do I know that this stinks to high heaven and it's it's just a disgrace and it feels like this whole thing was was just wrong? Yes. 
But do I also know that there's no alternative system that we have in place to do something other than what we're doing right now and that at the end of it, we may actually lose? Yes. Yes. And I've known this for a while now and I've tried to stay back. You know, people got mad at me because I say, ah, well, you know, I think I said on Sarah Carter's podcast a couple of weeks ago, we got about a five or five to 10 percent chance of of really turning this thing around and, and sending it to the states or having a different, again, legal process where that could occur. And some I, I got a lot of heat for that. That was just honest. And I was right. I mean, if you're doing the odds, if you look at this, you look at the number of legal cases, the number of states, the margin of victory. It's a long shot. And even the people involved in the legal challenge, I'll tell you, they'll 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 tell you it's a long shot behind closed doors. So, you know, now now it's a question of how we process this and how we get ready for the fight uh, going forward as this makes its way, as this continues on to the final stages here. I mean, otherwise, someone tell me what they really think the alternative is going to be. There's not going to be a secession movement. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be a a a rejection of our entire process. We're not going to all move to, you know, Polynesia. Okay, it's not going to happen. So let's look at what is happening and let's fight these cheaters and scoundrels and statists and authoritarians together with everything we've got. Let's win in Georgia. Don't need to be. Uh, you know, snide about them. I mean, this is the clip I actually meant to play. Here's Chris Christie just being kind of nasty about this whole thing. Play 10. Well, listen, the, the legal theory put forward by his legal team and by the president um, is an absurdity. And the reason why the Supreme Court didn't take it is because it's an absurd idea to think that any state or any number of states, no matter how good they are, um, can challenge another state's uh, right to run the election as they see fit. And also, there's no evidence, as, we've, as I've been saying since election night, um, show us the evidence. And, and what's gotten even worse, though, Martha, I think, is, is the attacks by the president on good, hardworking, decent Republican governors. Good, hardworking, decent Republican governors. Look, there's no need to say that the legal theory is absurd. There's a need to track down everything we're doing here. Look at everything that's going on and come to a, a final determination about where we are and what we can do at this stage. It, it's I'm I'm as as upset about this as anybody else. It's a, it's a kick in the face. Um. And we're and again, I think that the, the Sean Parnell case, maybe maybe that is. The legal miracle that sets all this right, or at least gets that going. Maybe we can uh, finally prove. In a way that a court will uphold that Dominion voting systems are problematic or are too easy to be messed with. But in the meantime. Let's all just band together. We know what we're fighting for. We know what our team's all about. And we will we will get through this. We will get through this and we will get to bigger victories in the future. It's going to happen. Keep the faith.